0: Listening to the Carveline Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me, as always, is the Director of Technical Service, Mr. Paula Jamis. And Paul, I'm feeling my age today. <laughs> I played basketball this morning. Sometimes I I get up at the ridiculous hour and play basketball before work. And I guarded an 18-year-old almost all morning, and uh, I'm paying for it. I I love reminding you that that basketball like that is a young man's game,
1: and, and that- that may not be you all the time hey, anymore.
0: I guarded the 18-year-old just fine and scored plenty of points on him. So considering I'm more than double that, I consider that a win. Put that yeah, in but, the win, Callum.
1: Yeah, but he probably rode his bike home and then did some other exercise, and, and you went to the chiropractor. This, this, <laughs> these things are not important. <laughs> it's the on the court that matters, huh?
0: Correct. <laughs> I performed well for that hour and a half. doesn't matter that I'm going to ice and heat and electrotherapy myself <laughs> the rest of the day. That d- Nobody cares. Well, my wife does. But that's what's not important. We had a couple things come up this week on the phone lines that gave us an, an idea for a topic for this week's show.
1: We've decided... Rather than let it be, you know, happenstance, chance of how we were going to pick this topic. This is, for years, it comes up repeatedly, time and time again. The question of, of a standard or a regulation or a policy and how it applies to what it is that, that we're actually painting.
0: So there's several of them that are really close to each other and overlap a little bit, but do cause a lot of confusion within the industry. And so what we're going to do is we're going to try to give you
1: you know, normally we say we're looking at a 10,000 foot view. I think we're going to go a little higher. We might be at like 20 or 30,000 foot view for this one because the general thing that you need to understand is that there are differences for these and we work with them every day and we try to learn more about them every day. And again, you know, researching these to make sure we didn't, you know, put our foot in our mouth in anything we said today, you know, we looked up some more of the guidelines and stuff and and learn more about them. But I don't expect you to understand them fully, just understand that there
0: are differences. So real quick before we get into this, if you have any ideas, want to tell us we're wrong, anything else like that, email us at technicalservice@carboline.com. Some of you know that at Carboline I am the concrete guy. And the most common misconception that I get questions regularly on the loop, you know, our phone line is that Somebody needs an FDA coating for a floor in a food manufacturing plant. When I've gotten that question, and I think,
1: Jack, your answer is going to be the same, I usually say, please tell me who that is,
0: because I don't want
1: food from there.
0: Correct. Right off the start, we'll get into it a little bit, but FDA approvals for coatings is for direct contact with the food.
1: And that is, you know, the FDA, we are talking about the Food and Drug Administration, and they're going to regulate the use of coatings that are deliberately in contact
0: with the food. USDA is the United States Department of Agriculture, and their requirements are for use within those USDA facilities. So That's not for direct contact. That is for use in the manufacturing facility. So usually that's frequently considered indirect or incidental food contact. When we say we don't want to buy the food from a a food plant that requires FDA for a floors, we're really joking. But to me, it goes, well, when they're making this food, if it hits the floor, do they just throw it back into the tank? You can see why there's a little bit of concern in that.
1: And really what we want to look at is the FDA has, it's a, it's a really comprehensive and complex set of regulations. Um, it's morphed many, many times over the years as what it is they actually regulate and how they uh, control those, those things. Most coatings have a tendency to fall in under the regulation where they've said it's, it's they call it GRASS, generally accepted as SAFE. Those are ones that over time have been tested and proved in other parts of the industry, and they recognize them as not having any interaction with the food that would cause anything, any harm to human consumption. But all of this that we're talking about is under the FDA code, the 21 CFR 175.300. And this is really the title 21 of the Code of Federal Regulations And Part 175, Section 300 talks about the resinous polymers and coatings that are used in the food industry.
0: And I think that's as deep as we need to go. I do, too. (laughs) Yeah. I do, too. With both of these, there are different requirements in order to be accepted. And the coating manufacturer will regulate, along with these agencies, what passes the standards.
1: And keep in mind, this isn't a certification process. You're not going to get a certificate that says this meets this in most cases. Every once in a while you'll find one where somebody went through a whole bunch of stuff and they generated or created a certificate, but that's not part of this procedure, part of this policy.
0: Everybody's familiar with our carbothane 134 HG, but what we did is we took that and we put some more UV resistance in there and that's where we got the carbothane 134 UV Ultra. This exceeds the SSPC coding specification number 36 level 3A. That is the highest you can get. Can't get any higher than that. So this is the top of the line UV resistance that you can get in a polyurethane. It is suitable for your AWWA OCS systems uh, five, six and seven. But basically you would want to use this anywhere where you want exceptional UV resistance, color and gloss retention, This is your product, the Carbothane 134 UV Ultra. The other one that we hear quite frequently is we're going to move from straight food to water. We hear frequently that, you know, this needs to be NSF and C61 approved for potable water. Well, NSF, the organization, does test that standard. They sure do. And it's a joint standard that they have with themselves and ANSI.
1: And keep in mind, ANSI, the American National Standards Institute, they're kind of the ones who own this standard. And they license it out to other agencies to be able to do it. NSF is one of them, which they started out, that was the uh, National Sanitation Foundation when they started. Um, But NSF is a big one. And UL, Underwriters Laboratory, is the other big agency. Those two do the majority of the potable water testing to this standard.
0: So while the standard is called the NSF ANSI-61, multiple testing agencies can test to the standard. They just have to be reputable testing agencies. So NSF does testing themselves. UL does testing themselves. Both publish the results of the testing and have what they call the QPL, Qualified Products List, online, and it's usually divided by coating manufacturer.
1: It sure is, and that's really the most up-to-date way to make sure that the coating that you're using is currently certified for the conditions that you're working with. They keep their time stamp on it that says, as of this day, these were what were certified. And the way the NC61 uh, testing works is it's rated for volume of the water tank or a diameter of the pipe or a diameter of the valves or flanges or fittings and that's all based on a calculation it's a surface area to volume calculation and it's one that they you know can reproduce and they do it time and time again but the easiest way that they normally uh submit it for for lay people for us to be able to look at is by volume so they'll say it needs to be eight inch or bigger pipe or a 10,000-gallon tank or bigger, or a 60-gallon tank. When they do these testings, they also test them at a temperature. And so just because you're certified at most testing is, is default setting, you know, Lab Ambient, they do it, and it's, you know, 23 degrees Celsius, 75 degrees Fahrenheit, that's their default setting. And if you want something different, you have to request that test, and they run it at a different temperature, and then you're certified up to that temperature. One of the frequent questions we get is hot, potable water. And that's for like your industrial um, hot water tanks that they may use in a hotel or at at a commercial building where you may have people actually consuming or using that hot water for something. That's a different test. Just because you're potable water approved doesn't mean you're approved for hot potable
0: water. Yes, everything within the test that is performed is exactly how you have to follow it in the field. Also, kind of congruently in the same kind of space, the American Water Works Association, or AWWA, has several standards that work in conjunction with the ANSI-61 standard. The D-102 is a standard that is for steel water tanks, and the C-210 is is a standard for steel water pipes, and the 210 is specifically for epoxies. The D-102 covers interior and exterior coating of steel water tanks. It lays out systems for both by generic type, and it references other standards like C-210, like NSF and C-61, as qualifications to meet the D-102 standard. The D-102 standard also breaks down these coding systems with generic type and thickness.
1: What you're frequently going to see is a notation of AWWA D-102 ICS-1. And what they're talking about is an interior coding system or an OCS, which is an outside coding system, and those are going to be one through five or one through six. And they're going to give you the details of do we want this to be a two coat system or a three coat system? Is it an epoxy? Is it a urethane? Is it, you know, they still have coal tar in one of these, I think. And so you can talk about the different ones. But the big key to remember on both of these is the interior for both D102 and C210 interior systems also have to meet the NSF ANSI 61 for potable water. So it's a combination. They refer back to each other and they reference the potable water standard, which when you go back to the potable water, you have to make sure that you're keeping in mind the ratings that you have for the coating, for the size pipe that you're doing, for the thinners that you're using, for the dry time before you're able to put it in service. And all of those are listed in that standard as to how you should do it. In fact, even colors are tested.
0: With the C210, the one thing that differs is one, it is only epoxies. So this is epoxies for water pipe and valves. It actually has some testing parameters that it adds to it because it's for pipeline. The cathodic disbondment is really important, and we could have a probably you know wheels turning here. A whole another episode about cathodic disbondment. Yeah, but man, that we really could that testing is important because of the use of cathodic protection in pipelines. We've kind of given you the you know thirty thousand foot view, like Paul said earlier about some of the misconceptions of some of these overlapping standards. As a quick summary, remember, FDA is for direct contact. USDA is
1: indirect contact. A lot of agencies can do potable water testing. They just have to be accredited and certified to do it. And AWWA has a set of parameters, but it's not a certification process. You're not going to get a certificate from them. It is a a self-governing by the manufacturer to say you can supply proof that you meet those requirements.
0: And then we'll go ahead and see you next Monday.
1: And so, for the Carbaline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul.
0: And I'm Jack. And we'd, we'd like, like to, to thank, thank you, you for, for your support. Who put the light?